Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Um, we like to uh, begin our services with this little greeting that, oh, I don't think we got it on the screen today, but sorry, maybe you'll remember it. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we like to, oh, and look, there it is. And also with you. Thanks, Katie. Happy birthday, by the way, Katie. This is Katie's birthday. She had, she had a, couple of, uh, a couple little boys back there. Wouldn't let her go, so yeah. <laughs> Um, we like to begin with this greeting in part because it reminds us uh, that God meets us here, uh, that whether you are here in the room with us, whether you're joining us online, that God meets us right in the reality that we live in. So uh, let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin to worship him today. Thank you, God, for the chance to connect with you. You know that as we go through this life, sometimes we get busy, sometimes we get overwhelmed. Uh, it can be easy for us, God, to forget that you are with us every moment of every day. We need moments like this sometimes just to remind us of your presence and, and to help us to, to kind of center our hearts on you, to center our thoughts on you, to, to refocus our attention and to be reminded of what it looks like to, to center our allegiance on you as well. Uh, God, today, I pray that you would make your presence known to us, uh, that you would speak by your Holy Spirit, that you would meet us in the songs that we sing and the prayers we pray, the scriptures we read, and, and the communion that we celebrate around the table of our Lord Jesus, that in all we do today, we might be reminded of your great love, of your presence with us, of the grace that you have for each and every one of us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're interested in Abel, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. For God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms with his strength 
and keeps my way secure.
your right hand will hold me fast. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies are A Psalm of David. I will exalt you, my God and King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let every generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do proclaim your greatness this morning. You are a good, good God, and you are also a great and mighty God. Lord, I don't know that we could make it if it weren't for you being that God. You are above our circumstances. You are above all the things and the chaos that we see in our world around us. Lord, you are bigger. You are greater. You are mightier. And oh, the hope and peace that that gives us. I thank you, Father, for being that God, for being that God who's in every circumstance, big or small, good or bad. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never have. You never will. And we praise you, Father. Lord, we know that some have brought heavy burdens with them this morning. We pray that you would work in those burdens, that you would work in those, those health challenges, Lord, those, those relational challenges, those job challenges, Lord, whatever it is, work in them and through them to your glory, Lord. We thank you for the blessings and the victories that we have experienced this week, for the time that we've been able to spend with family, relaxing, whatever, whatever that blessing is, Lord, we are so thankful for it. And now be with us in the rest of this service. Be with Pastor Rich. We're so glad he and his family are back with us. We're so glad that they had a chance to be away and to spend time together as a family and, and time with you, Lord, recreating and resting. So, Father, 
I ask that you would pour out your anointing on pastor this morning and be with us here in this room. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Be with those who are watching us now online or who will watch later. You are a good, good God, and we thank you. We praise you and give you all the glory as we pray these things in your name. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Good. Now take a few minutes and pass the peace to each other as you're comfortable. And in the meantime, we will um, have Pastor come and share announcements. I got to tell you, I enjoy the sound of worship. You know, I enjoy the sound of people singing and giving praise to God and all of that. Uh, but this, I think, is my favorite sound in our church. Is all of you guys talking, catching up, uh, encouraging each other, praying for each other, you know, getting to hear how you've been and all of that. Uh, I love it. So I love that we're a church where you guys feel comfortable and, and enjoy each other that way. Uh, today you'll have a little more time to enjoy each other because right after this service we're having breakfast together. Hopefully all the folks uh, that come at 1030 remembered and are going to be here as well. And uh, and Pastor Judy, I know I heard her say it as I was worshiping with you guys uh, online the last couple of weeks. So I know I heard you remind them. Hopefully they all remembered. And uh, yeah, yeah. And also, Pastor Judy has set the bar awfully high for me to actually get the service done on time. So I, she did an excellent job of that. And here I'm, you know, continuing. Last time we had breakfast, I, I started the service saying like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get us out, you know, a little early. And then I ran over again. So uh, I'm not making any promises today, but I'm... I'm I'm hoping to get us done a little bit early so we can all be uh, ready for breakfast. Uh, up on the screen, you can see uh, a couple of different websites you can go to. or There's some pages on our website, but uh, we would love to connect with you uh, to know how we can pray for you, encourage you, uh, get questions or feedback from you, anything that you want to communicate with us. You can go to livinghope.info slash connect. There's this little online connect card you can fill out there. Or for those of you here in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards in the back, drop it in the offering box. And uh, that way I can follow up with you this week. Uh, also, if you want to give today, you can drop it in that box or you can give online at the, at the website there. Uh, and those of you who especially are watching us online, I know sometimes you drop us a line in the comments on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, but if you have something more than just a, hey, good morning, that you want to communicate, please go to livinghope.info slash connect and let us know because we would love to, to be able to connect with you. It's a little more challenging. You know, you're not here to, you know, hobnob with us during the passing of the peace or to, or to sit down at breakfast. So we would love to be able to connect with you and encourage you any way that we can. Uh, let's see, I think there were a couple other things going on besides breakfast this morning. Uh, you know, we've got a, that coming up a couple more times here this year, once a month. And uh, the bike giveaway thing is still happening. It's not this Saturday, but the next one on the 23rd. And, uh, and then we are uh, continuing to do shelter, provide shelter during the week, uh, Tuesday nights for men through New Creation Men's Center. And uh, we'd, some of you guys had helped a couple of times uh, last, last end of last year, early this year, with Family Promise, where we had a couple here uh, that stay for a week at a time. And uh, there's actually another, another couple that's coming through with Family Promise. And so we're going to have somebody here with us uh, the week of July 31st to August 7th. So that's a little more, uh, a little more work, a little more uh, that we get to offer to them than we do for the guys. The guys who come on Tuesday night, they don't show up until like 9 o'clock. They basically just come in, go to bed, get up and go. All right. But with Family Promise, they come a little earlier, like 5.30 or so. We provide them dinner. Um, as well as the place to sleep and then some breakfast in the morning. So if you would like to help that week, uh, I'm not sure. Normally, Family Promise serves families with children. I'm not sure this time if it's a family with kids or if it's uh, just a couple. But, uh, but if you would like to help that week, July 31st to August 7th, one of those nights, maybe to bring dinner or maybe to come and spend the night that night because we have to have a volunteer here uh, that spends the night. Uh, if you'd like to help with that, please let us know. Uh, use that little green card in the back or, or the Connect card or if you've got my number, text me or whatever, okay? But uh, let us know if you'd, like, if you'd like to help with that. Um, I know, uh, let's see, I feel like that, maybe that's all I needed to say uh, this morning. There's other stuff going on, but, uh, but you, can, you can follow that. You can find that uh, there on your own, I guess. Okay, uh, today I, I was uh, wanting to follow up a little bit on something Pastor Judy said last week. Um, as she was talking about freedom and uh, talking about uh, the opportunity, you know, uh, in Galatians it says we're not, not, we don't use this freedom to indulge our, our sinful impulses, but we use this freedom to love each other and to love the people around us. And uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so as I'm deciding what to preach on any given Sunday, one of the things that I look at is, uh, is something they call it the lectionary. It's a selection of scriptures that churches around the world use. And there are some churches where every Sunday they just read from those, those same passages, something from the Old Testament, something from the New Testament. There's usually a psalm in there. And these are selected for them, and it helps them kind of be a part of the work that uh, the broader church is doing around the world. And we usually do that in the Advent season leading up to, Easter, or leading up to Christmas and the Lenten season leading up to Easter. And, uh, and so this week I looked, and I saw, oh, man, uh, the story that we're looking at, uh, that the churches around the world are looking at today, ties in so beautifully with that, uh, that we're going we're gonna to go there today. And then I think next week I'm going to start that little series about uh, um, you know, Bible stories that we heard as kids, and now we're going to look at them again as grown-ups and see some of the details that maybe were left out of the children's Bible version of those stories. Um, so I think, I think we're going to start that next week. But today uh, is this question, uh, who is my neighbor? Um, you know, if we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves then uh, who is that neighbor? Now, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, that this gets summarized for us. You know, that Paul said there, the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I have trouble remembering, you know, a list of things, remembering what I was supposed to be doing uh, tomorrow or the next day. I've got this handy little calendar on my phone, you know, that I have to put things in so I don't forget. But even then, sometimes I forget. It alerts me and I forget to do it, but I've already hit the button and so it doesn't alert me again and then it's a week later and I forgot. Just missed a meeting this last week that I could have been at, but I forgot to get it in my calendar. You know, hate it when that happens. And, uh, and so I'm very glad that I don't have to memorize a big, long list of rules or laws in order to please God. You know, that he basically says, look, the whole law. You want to please God? You want to live a life that God, uh, you know, created us to live? You love your neighbor as yourself. Now, even when God gave the people of Israel that whole big, long list of laws back in the, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, uh, one of the other verses that churches around the world are looking at is this one from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Where, where God says through Moses, this is at the end of Deuteronomy, after he's just recapped all the laws, all the commands that he's given, hundreds of them. He says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven, so you have to ask, who will ascend to heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. He's like, it's been given to you. You don't need someone to climb some mountain and go get it for you, right? That, that work's been done, I think is what Moses is saying. I already climbed a mountain. I already brought it back down. You know, you've got it. You know what God wants you to do. It's right there. It's, it's in your mouth. You can say it. You, know, you can read it. It's in your heart. You can learn it so that you can obey it. And if you obey it, the Bible says over and over and over again, if we do what God you know, calls us to do, we're, we're blessed. There are blessings associated with that. But... You've probably experienced at some point, too, that a big, long list of rules can be burdensome, right? Maybe you've had somebody use, like, whether it's religious rules or just family rules or some other rules, some list of rules, and it's, it's been a burden for you. You know, somebody who's used that almost like a, sometimes can be almost used like a weapon, but can be used to weigh you down. And Jesus talked to people like that, people who had been weighed down by a, a long list of religious expectations. Matthew 11, we hear Jesus say, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've always liked that verse, uh, in part because I like my eggs uh, sunny side up, right? My, my yoke's easy. You know, I, I like them runny. I uh, just had some of those the other day. It's delicious with my chicken and waffles. But anyway, uh, when we hear that, that yoke bit, it's like, what on earth is that about, right? It's not egg yolks, obviously, right? Uh, this yoke language is language of like farming. And, you know, they, back before they had the tractors that you could just hop on and ride or program the GPS for these days and have it do itself. But anyway, before they had all that, they had to hitch up the oxen, right, to the plow. And there was a, a, a yoke that went across the oxen's neck and shoulders that helped them to pull together. And this, this image had one, is one that was adopted by the rabbis to talk about their interpretation of God's law. So all these commands that God gave, the rabbi's interpretation of it and how that gets lived out in your life was called their yoke. And so if you followed a certain rabbi, you took their yoke upon you. That was a phrase that was used in those days. I'm so glad somebody figured that out and learned that and told me so I can tell you. Because otherwise, it's just like, I don't know what all this business is about yokes here, right? Jesus is saying, look, if, if, the, if you've had this big, long, complicated, burdensome list of rules you've been trying to remember and follow, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. My take on what God expects of you is pretty simple. And he describes it here in the passage we're going to look at from Luke chapter 10. 
you know, love God with all that you are, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, this, that's all you got to remember. It's an easy yoke. You know, it's an easy interpretive framework to, to remember. And then you can look at all of life through that lens and say, okay, this decision I'm facing, this circumstance I'm in, how can I love God with all that I am here now in this circumstance? How in this interaction can I love my neighbor as myself? And Jesus says, if you can remember those two things, you can live a life that's pleasing to God. You can enjoy the, the blessings that come from, from that. So there's a moment there in, in Luke chapter 10. It's a, it's a little different than uh, in some of the other Gospels because a lot of those have someone asking Jesus and then Jesus answers, right? Uh, they ask him a question. And this, this case is a little bit different. Uh, in Luke 10, we read, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is a pretty standard question in these days. It was, it was asking them for their yoke, for their interpretive framework, saying, what, what does God expect? Right? And different rabbis had different answers. You know, different ones that they, that they went to. Well, Jesus puts it back on him in this case. Instead of just answering himself, he says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. He's quoting from the, the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He's quoting it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to read it later. So this is like a central passage that people of Israel would, would pray every day. And so you know this had to be up there, top of the list. And, so love God with all you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he makes that same link that Jesus makes in other Gospels and says, look, love God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus answers, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. End of conversation, right? <laughs> you know, he, he wants to test Jesus. Hey, what's your take on this? And Jesus says, well, how do you read it? Well, love God with all you are, love your neighbors yourself. Great, do this and you'll live. And he could have turned around right then and said, all right, thanks, woohoo. I'm smart. Jesus said I'm smart. I got it right. You know, pass the test. But he wasn't interested in stopping there. And thankfully for us, he didn't, because then it gives Jesus an opportunity to tell a story that we have heard and heard and heard so many times that you, you probably could tell the whole story yourself if you want to. Um, it says he wanted to justify himself, this expert in the law. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he takes it another level. Right? Okay, so love God with all that I am, love my neighbor as yourself, uh, but who's my neighbor? And maybe this was just an innocent question. Right? Maybe he's just saying, oh, I really do want to please God. I really do want to enjoy life, you know, inherit eternal life, be a part of God's coming kingdom. I really do want to do this, so let me make sure I get it right. Who's my neighbor, Jesus? I want to know. But we've already been told he's doing this to test Jesus, right? And then Luke says he's trying to justify himself with this. So it's likely that, that he's trying to figure out, okay, who do I have to love and who, who do I not have to worry about so much, right? Where are the lines around neighbors? Uh, which, it's a fair question, right? right? If, I, if I told you, like, hey, you're responsible to take care of your neighbors, to make sure their needs are met, you'd probably want to know, okay, what needs and which neighbors, <laughs> right? Because uh, I got limited resources, limited time, limited resources. Who do I need to take care of? Who am I responsible for exactly? Uh, because this sounds like a pretty big ask you're making here. And so it makes sense that if you're told, love your neighbor as yourself, okay, how far does that extend? How far do I have to extend myself? Who do I have to love here? Uh, back in Leviticus 19, that's where this, that second one comes from, love your neighbor as yourself, is quoting. And I, I put that there in your notes if you skip on ahead a little bit, where he says, uh, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone am among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is what the, the Lord, the God of Israel, told them. That among your people, don't hold a grudge or, or don't bear a grudge, don't, don't try to get revenge, but love them as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so for the people of Israel, your neighbor was largely thought of as their fellow Israelites, their fellow Jews, right? It's, it's us. We love ourselves. Israel first, America first. You know, these are, these are phrases we're familiar with, right? Uh, we care for our own and uh, we love our neighbors. So he, he's probably thinking that, like, okay, so we got to love our fellow Israelites. And those people out there, we don't have to worry about so much. Now, if you keep reading Leviticus 19, there's a whole bunch of funny stuff in there. But if you get down to verse 33, you hear this from God telling his people, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. 
The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Just reminding them again, look, I'm the Lord. I'm the one who rescued you from Egypt. While you were there, you were a foreigner. And so when you have foreigners living among you, treat them well. Treat them as native born. Treat, love them as yourself. But I'm sure there were some of them that said, okay, great. So if they come here and if they live like us and if they go through all the proper channels and do all the stuff they're supposed to do and they become one of us, great. We'll love them too. But those folks over there who are on the other side of the line, they worship a different God. They speak a different language. Their food smells funny. Uh, we're not going we're not to have to love them, right? We can keep them at arm's length. And if we come across them, I mean, some of them are our enemies, right? So uh, we really don't have to love them, right? Jesus addressed this, too, in Matthew 5. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to this. So you don't have to find it on the screen, Katie. But where he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So some people uh, were taken at that direction in Jesus' day. We'll, we'll come back to that one, all right, in just a minute. So it's not a bad question that he's asking. That's all I'm trying to say. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, wait, who's my, who's my neighbor? He wants to know, because he wants to justify himself. Maybe he's just trying to justify, like, oh, man, I, this wasn't a bad question, was it? You know, I'm not, I hope I didn't just waste the rabbi's time or everybody else. They were expecting me to test Jesus, and it was like a 10-second you know, conversation. Maybe he's trying to justify himself that way. Maybe he's trying to justify the way he lives, you know, and the people he's been treating, what different way. But he asks the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers with a story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, we don't really need to get on all the geography of it. Jerusalem's the capital city. It's where the temple was. Jericho is another town. And uh, the road there was a little bit treacherous. That's pretty much all we need to know. The man was traveling, was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And at this point, the Jesus' listeners, you know, because there's a crowd there, right? It's not just him having a private conversation with this expert in the law. There's a, there's a crowd. He's speaking in front of people. The crowd is hearing the story. And at this point, I, I wonder what they're thinking right? Like, oh, a man's in trouble, and oh, here comes a priest. You know, maybe they're thinking, oh, good. This is somebody who lives out the law. This is somebody who knows we love God with all that we are. We love our neighbor as ourselves. He's going to take care of his, his fellow Israelite. We assume this man, generic man in the story, is probably one of them, right? He's going to take care of him. Priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And at this point, they, they might be thinking to themselves, oh, it's going to be one of these stories. Good. Because some of them probably didn't like this expert in the law too much. Some of them probably didn't like those, uh, those priests and those people who, who lived in Jerusalem, who served at the temple, the people who had some religious clout, the people who had some religious authority. You know, there's a little bit of like you know, pulling down the high and mighty going on here, right? Jesus, oh, it's going to be one of these stories. Good. We like these stories. And, uh, and so maybe they're thinking, good, he's going to give it to them, right? A priest was going down the road, saw the man pass by on the other side. So to a Levite, now, Levites were the, the people who assisted the priests with the work of the temple. Ever since back in the days of, uh, of Moses and going through the wilderness when they had the 12 tribes, Levi, the Levites were one of those 12 tribes, and they didn't get a, a portion of the land when they moved into the land because they were helping at the temple. And so they were some who benefited from the whole temple system. They were to get a, a portion of the offerings that people brought because they didn't have land of their own to, uh, to work and to have harvest from and all of that. So here comes a Levite. Somebody that all the common people's you know, like religious taxes help to, help to pay their salary, right? And this Levite comes by and, what does it say? When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here's a priest and a Levite who it appears are not doing what the law requires, right? You're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Here's someone, a neighbor, a fellow Israelite, in need, beaten up, uh, stripped naked, left for half dead. And boy, they should be helping. And they're not. And, oh, give it to them, Jesus. You know, here it comes. Now, yes, it's true. They might have had good reasons for like avoiding. They, maybe they couldn't tell if the man was half dead or fully dead or partly dead. Anyway, maybe they, maybe they couldn't tell how hurt he was. Maybe they thought he had already died. And there are religious rules. If they were, let's say they were on their way to serve at the temple, there are rules about cleanness and laws that were given. And that big long list of laws that if you touch a dead body, then you are unclean for a certain amount of time. There's a whole ceremonial washing thing you got to go through before a priest would be able to serve at the temple again. And so maybe they're prioritizing their religious observance over helping their fellow human being. And so maybe there'd be some who would, who would make excuse for that and say, well, you know, 
They had, they had responsibilities. And uh, I, I'll tell you, as a pastor, I've, I've wondered that sometimes. And I've thought about this passage. You know, I'm on my way to church on a Sunday morning. And, and now it's relatively close. I live like less than a mile that way. Uh, but it used to be when we met out of the Aberdeen Manor uh, out on State Road 2, you know, have a little bit of a drive. There was a little more of a chance for me on my way there to like see a motorist on the side of the road or somebody that like, oh, I wonder if they need help. Should I stop and help them? I got to get to the church. There's people waiting for me to unlock the door so they can get in and start setting up for Sunday. And there's one of those, one of those kind of tensions that maybe these priests or Levites felt, right? I got, I've got a thing I've got to go do. I've got to be somewhere. And it's a, it's a good thing. It's something I'm doing for God. And here's a person in need. The priest and the Levite, perhaps, we don't know because Jesus doesn't go into detail, perhaps they were prioritizing their, their religious service over the opportunity to help uh, a neighbor, a human being. I got to tell you, I did not, didn't have room to, to squeeze us in here, but I'm pretty sure Jesus wants us to prioritize the person over your religious observance. All right, A person in need is an opportunity, an opportunity to love your neighbor as yourself uh, takes priority over showing up at church on a Sunday morning. Loving your neighbor as yourself takes priority over, over, you know, putting money in that offering box back there. All right? If there's a tension between those two, and I know this is a little dangerous for me as a pastor because my salary gets paid by you guys, right? And <laughs> the money you put in that box, all right? Um, and the lights stay on and the mission gets done because of the money you guys put in that box. But I'm pretty sure Jesus would say, look, the, the person in need is what takes priority. There was a, a moment where Jesus said, look, if you're, if you're, making your way to the altar at the temple in Jerusalem and you've been waiting all this time and you finally get to the front of, line, of the line with your gift and you're ready to make it there at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. You leave your gift there. You go and make it right with your brother and then come back and offer your gift because I'm pretty sure Jesus says, look, the person in need kind of comes before the religious obligation, whatever, that this, or if you want to think of it in a different way, that that is your religious obligation. <laughs> that, that is your expression of faith, is helping this person indeed. You know, on another occasion, Matthew 25, Jesus said uh, that um, the whole sheep and the goats episode, remember? Um, where Jesus says to people at the end of time when he's judging them as to whether they've lived the life they should have lived or not, and he says to a whole group of people, look, I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty and you just left me there thirsty. I was sick. I was in prison. You didn't even come and visit me. I needed help and you didn't help me. And they say, well, 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 Jesus, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? When, when were you thirsty? When were you homeless? When were you sick? When, when did you have these needs and we refused to help you? And Jesus says, when you refused to do it for these brothers and sisters of mine, you didn't do it for me. And then there's a whole group of folks who did do it. And they were equally surprised. They're like, we didn't know we were feeding you or clothing you or helping you or visiting you. And he says, well, when you, when you helped these least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you were doing that for me. You know, this is loving our neighbor is our expression of devotion to God, our expression of love for Christ, our, our love for God, our love for God with all that we are and our loving our neighbors as ourselves. These two things go, go together. You, you don't separate them, you know. Loving your neighbor is a way that you love God. And so as this priest and this Levite, perhaps they're thinking, well, I've got things to do for God uh, that kind of trump this, helping this person here. Uh, I think Jesus would say, no, you've, you've kind of got it all jumbled. You know, helping this person is the, perhaps the best way you could serve God in this moment, by helping this, this person in need, this neighbor in need. So the people here in the story, um, they might think, okay, it's, a, it's one of those give it to him Jesus stories. And he's letting the, the rich and the powerful, the people with, with religious power there in, in Jerusalem, he's, he's letting them have it. The priest doesn't help, the Levite doesn't help, and, then, and they're probably all kind of filling it in with themselves. And then a fisherman came by. Right? Or then a then a, a worker came by, a laborer, then then like an ordinary Jew came by and saved the day. The hero of the story. Because they know there's gonna be a third, right? They know these stories follow a formula, right? It's just like when you go to see a movie or you're reading a good book or something like that, there's a certain formula that's followed, right? You know that the, the hero's gonna save the day, and maybe there'll be a sacrifice along the way and some secondary character or love interest. Maybe they'll maybe they'll have to die. If it's one of those movies, don't encourage Stacy to watch it because she hates those kind of you know, but but uh, if somebody one of the, her favorite characters dies. Uh, but, you know, stories have a certain formula to them. So they know there's going to be a third person comes by who's going to be the hero, who's going to help the guy, who's going to save the day. And I, I don't know who they're assuming is going to be that hero, probably someone like them, but I'm pretty sure none of them expected 
what Jesus said. The priest passes by, the Levite passes by, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, which is, you know, the money, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He takes care of him in a way that the priest and the Levite did not. And I don't think anybody expected a Samaritan because the Samaritans were the enemy. They were like the furthest thing from a neighbor that somebody in Jesus' day and context could have thought of. You know, the Samaritans were, were them. They were those people. They were the reason we were in this mess. You know, whoever comes to mind when you think those kinds of thoughts, right? They're the people that we're working so hard to get out of Washington. Yeah, they're those, they're those people um, that are making our lives so difficult right now. They're the people who, you know, maybe they, they used to know God, but they sure don't go, know God now. And they're, they're like enemies of God and enemies of ours. And that's the person Jesus chooses to put in this spot, in the formula, in the story, to say, and this was the person who had pity, who helped the man, who cared for him, who went above and beyond to make sure that he was cared for, that he was treated well, that he would, that he would be healthy and whole. He's taking time from his own schedule, money from his own pocket to make sure that this man gets the help that he needs. And he is a Samaritan. Who would you put on the other side of that line for you these days? Who are those people? That when you see something come across your Facebook feed that's like negative about them, you have no qualms about sharing it because you don't care if it's true or not. It makes them look bad and ha-ha, they're the enemy. And, right? Who is it that if... You, you got to, to work tomorrow and you found out they'd been in an accident or something like that. They'd had some, some trouble befall them in the last week. You'd think, oh, man, couldn't it happen to a better person? Good. I'm glad they're struggling. Yeah. Who, who is that person that you know, you're used to blaming, that you're used to pointing the finger at, that you're used to saying, they are not like us? You know, like Jesus said, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Who, who are those enemies in your life? Jesus puts that person in the story as he tells it to you today. That's the person who cares for the person. And the priest wouldn't, and the Levite wouldn't, the people who knew God's laws and knew God's expectations. And here's this Samaritan who maybe doesn't even know the rules, but is moved with compassion, takes pity on the man. And so Jesus asks, which of these three? See, the story's over. Now he's turned to the expert in the law who wanted to know who is my neighbor. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Be like him, he says. Now, he doesn't say, we would kind of expect he would say, you know, which of these three loved his neighbor like he was supposed to, right? The question is, who is my neighbor? So who did he treat like a neighbor? Uh, or who was a neighbor? But he says, who was a neighbor? Who lived recognizing that, you know what, in spite of these differences, in spite of these disagreements, in spite of your hatred of me and maybe my hatred of you, in spite of those things, you are still a neighbor. He says, who in that story had a, a big enough definition of neighbor to include the person in need who was right in front of him? And the expert in the law, some people made a big deal. Oh, he couldn't bring himself to say the Samaritan did, like he wouldn't even utter the word. But maybe he's just saying, well, it was the one who had mercy on him. That's what it means to be a neighbor have mercy, have empathy, to be willing to put yourself in another person's shoes and to say, well, I wonder if I would feel any different if I'd, you know, lived the life that they lived. Uh, I wonder if I would view things differently too, if, if that was my background. Who's willing to hear that other person's story? Who's willing to listen to them and, and to think, you know what, this is a neighbor. This is someone who is as loved by God as I am, who's created by God just like me, who bears the image of God just like I do. This is someone who is a neighbor. I said I'd come back to that passage from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's kind of a different way of approaching it. You know, in the, in the Good Samaritan story, he's, he's basically saying, look, your definition of neighbor needs to be bigger. You need to quit putting lines there where neighbor ends and enemy begins. You know, they are, if they're in need, they are your neighbor. And you should love them like you love yourself. In this 
case in Matthew chapter 5, he's saying, look, you've, you've been saying love your neighbor and so we can hate our enemies. So no, no, love those enemies too. Pray for them. Pray for those who persecute you. This is like an actual enemy, right? This isn't just the enemy who like doesn't like you or who like takes your parking spot or something, right? This is like an actual enemy who's persecuting you, who's doing, who's harming you, actively harming you in different ways. He's saying you need to pray for them. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He says you should be like this not because of some religious rule, not because of some obligation. Oh, man, and God, now you expect that. So you can be children of your Father in heaven. So you can be like God who loves both the wicked and the, and the good, the righteous and the unrighteous. He gives them both sunshine. He gives them both rain for their crops. God loves indiscriminately. And so if we are going to be his children, we have to love indiscriminately. We might still disagree with that person, but we're going to love them. As he, as, uh, as he said through, was it the Apostle Paul, that if, if your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. He says, this is, this is what it means to don't seek revenge, but instead to, to love your neighbors, love your enemies. Who is my neighbor? Now, uh, as we know, this didn't, uh, what Jesus did and taught and his responses and these kinds of situations didn't necessarily go well for him, right? By the end of the story, Jesus, the religious leaders are the ones who oppose Jesus to the point of uh, handing them over to the Roman authorities and putting them on a cross to be killed. They did not like what Jesus had to say. And uh, many of the people that Jesus critiqued, confronted, like all those listeners that day who were expecting to, that someone like them would be the hero of the story and then the hated Samaritan ends up being the hero. I wonder how they felt about that. You know, I wonder how they felt because maybe there was this part of them that, that's thinking like, wait a minute, so, but we're the good guys, right? <laughs> we're still the good guys? You know, I know the priest didn't do it and the Levite didn't do it and the Samaritan did, but we are still the good guys, aren't we? Jesus had a way of challenging that way of thinking. And this wasn't the first time in Luke 10 that he does that. Uh, there'd been a, a moment in Luke chapter 7 where a Roman centurion uh, sends messages to Jesus saying, hey, my servant is sick, could you please come and heal him? And, and while Jesus is on the way there, he sends some friends and say, oh, wait, 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 sorry, I didn't mean you had to actually come to my house. Just say the word. You know, he says, I know how authority works. I, if I give commands, people obey him. You can just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says to the people around him, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. You know, this Roman has faith that I can just say the word and his servant will be well. But my fellow Israelites don't seem to have this kind of faith. And Jesus does. He says the word, says, go, your servant's, his servant's going to be well. And sure enough, the servant is healed. Back in Luke chapter 4, the, the very first sermon that we have of Jesus, the, the moment where he does basically like what we do on a Sunday, what I do on a Sunday, uh, where he goes to the synagogue and they open the scriptures and then he talks about those scriptures and, and he does that. There's a passage from Isaiah where he, he talks about the spirit of the Lord being on him to proclaim good news to the poor and to the needy and, and recovery of sight to the blind. There's all this, all this good that God is doing as he's coming to people in need. And Jesus says, this is happening today in your presence through me. And then Jesus says to him, Surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you'll tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in, in Capernaum. In that Roman outpost, Capernaum, you know, that do, do it here in Nazareth, in your hometown, for your people. Do for us what you did for them. Truly I tell you, Jesus continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And then he goes back to a couple of stories from their history. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. There was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. He was sent to a foreigner. And she's the one that he provided for, her and her son, during that time of famine. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, but none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. He says, guys, this is pretty common that you don't accept the people that God sends. And so God ends up blessing someone else. And all the people in the synagogue, in Jesus' own hometown at this point, they were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. They, were, they, were, they did not respond well. And I've got to wrap this up. So, uh, sorry, see the clock. The question in my mind today, the question for you and for me, besides who is my neighbor, which that's an important question. Who is my neighbor? Who do I need to love? Who has God got right in front of me? 
who are those people I haven't been thinking of as neighbors, but you know what, maybe they've got something to teach me. Maybe they're following God's law better than I am, even though they don't have it and I do. Who is it, God, that I need to be loving? Who is it I need to be learning from? The other question that I've got for myself today is how do I respond when I'm critiqued? How do I respond maybe when Jesus puts his finger on something in my life that isn't right, when he, when he points out ways that I'm missing it and other people that I used to, you know, how, how do I respond when all of a sudden my world where I think of myself as a good guy and those are the bad guys gets flipped on its head and I realize that, oh, maybe I'm the bad guy here. Maybe I've been part of the problem. Do I push back? Do I get defensive? Do I say, no, 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 I don't want you to teach that to me or to my kids in school. What do I do in those moments? I don't want to be like the people there in Nazareth who decide, we don't want this. We're going to push you off a cliff so we don't have to hear this anymore. I want to be open. (laughs) I want to have ears to hear what he's saying. I want to respond well. Now, I had just a little bit of room at the bottom, so I just wanted to remind you that back in January, we did a whole series on blessing your neighbors, loving your neighbors, begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, then you can share your story with them. And if you want to go back and listen to that, if you're thinking about neighbors that you need to love a little bit better, maybe you want to go back and listen to some of those messages um, to be reminded of some ways that you can do that. Um, But right now, I just want us to bow our heads and pray before we celebrate communion together. Thank you, God, for loving us when we were pretty unlovable. Help us, God, to love you in return with all that we are, heart, soul, mind, strength. God, you know that we dilute that sometimes. We give ourselves to so many different things, and we we spread our allegiance so thin sometimes that, that we need moments where you call us back to devotion to you and allegiance to you where our competing priorities kind of get straightened back out. And, and God, today you're telling us that right at the top of that priority list needs to be loving our neighbors as ourselves. And that they might not be the neighbors we're used to thinking about. That there might be some people we've had on the other side of that enemy line. People we've been used to blaming. People we've been used to hating. People we've been used to rejecting or just not seeing. And God, today you are reminding us they are our neighbors. And some of them might even be getting this right in ways that we are not. Help us, God. If your Holy Spirit is poking us in the chest today, if, you're, if you are pricking our consciences, if you are, uh, if you are helping us to, to be aware of ways that we have failed to do this, would you help us to be open to repenting, God, to receiving this correction from you? Help me to be open, God, to not assume that I've got this right, but to be open to seeing the the ways that you want to teach me and show me what it means to love my neighbors, to be a neighbor. Thank you, God, for the opportunities that you give. Thank you for the numerous ways that this church does this so well uh, for neighbors in need. God, I pray you'd help us not to be blinded by whatever successes we've had with this, Uh, God, help us to, to continue to be open to ways that you want to work through us to love our neighbors, to show people that they are loved by us so they might be open to the idea that they're loved by you as well. God, you've shown us this love in an amazing way in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us today as we celebrate communion to be, to receive that love from you. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your spirit's presence here, we might Meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, aware of our need of your grace, that we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We ask for your forgiveness. And we thank you that you give it so fully and so freely that we don't have to earn it, that you've already paid the price. You've already conquered sin and death and the devil that already by the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, you have made forgiveness and new life possible. You've made it possible by your spirit's work in us, not just to forgive our sins, but to transform our lives, to, to make us a people who truly can love you with all that we are and who can love the neighbors you send our way or that you send us to. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us, for being so gracious to us. Help us. 
to be gracious to each other, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Highsaw family is going to come back up and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, as long as you're comfortable doing that, that's fantastic. The invitation is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. If you'd like to celebrate but you don't want to join the line, uh, we've got little cups on the tables. And you can, as we sing, take those and, and get to the bread inside and the juice inside and, and participate there as well. So let's, let's give thanks to God uh, for being such a good father to us, for being so, uh, ah, so full of love, so full of grace. Let's celebrate and give him thanks.
Thank you, God. Thank you for being better to us than we deserve. Thank you for loving us. Would you help the truth of that to sink deep into our bones that we can know that we are loved by you, that we can be so full of your love and your grace that we just can't help but share it with the people you send us to this week. Fill us with the Spirit of Christ that we might live as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, your sons and daughters, all those places where you send us. And thank you, God, that today we have the opportunity to, uh, to enjoy a meal together. Would you bless this food? Would you bless the hands that prepared it? Would you bless our time together? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to enjoy some uh, scrambled eggs. <laughs>